As we consider the gospel reading for this morning, I want you to think about interruptions. And to consider the very real possibility that our God is a God of interruptions. We don't usually think of interruptions as anything positive. There's something that are, the interruptions are generally pretty annoying. We're doing something that we want to do, or maybe even that we don't want to do, but we have to do. And then we're interrupted. And the way that we look upon the interruption is as something that is unwelcome, in, it, well, interrupting. It's, it's stopping our, our workflow and pulling us away from what we are doing, from what I am doing. And the interruption then is generally handled in such a way that, you know, get it away and out of the way as soon as possible, as quickly as possible, so that I can get back to what I am doing. But if you even just look at that sort of definition of interruption, we can see it's maybe just a little bit egocentric. And here... In the Gospel reading today, we have a number of interruptions. So first of all, Jesus is coming back from uh, healing, uh, from the country of the Gadarenes, where he healed the demo demoniac that we heard about last week. Uh, and uh, the, the one sort of transi transitory verse that we don't get in the pericope that we just heard uh, is, so it was, when Jesus returned, he's returning from the country of the Gadarenes, the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. So here he is, he's coming back from the country of the Gadarenes. Not sure exactly, it doesn't really say in the gospel why he went there. Maybe he went there to go and heal this demon-possessed man. Uh, and, uh, but, but, uh, but when he gets back, he's welcomed. People missed him. Uh, it's, it's, it's great to see, it's kind of interesting as we, as we transition to this new space, uh, we're a bit more aware of the people who haven't been here for a while and haven't been here to this particular location for the first time. So it's 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 uh, it's it's uh, it's fun. This, this is a, this is a fun thing. It's it's fun for us to welcome. But when you've got like a, maybe a whole crowd of people welcome you, you're coming back after a long journey. You step out of the boat, and immediately you've got this whole multitude of people. Uh, maybe it might be a little less welcome at any rate uh here he is jesus is coming back from the country of the gadarenes and behold there came a man named jarius and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at jesus feet and begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter of about 12 years of age and she was dying so here's our first interruption or maybe our second, if you count the multitude as an interruption. <laughs> um, um, and Jesus is, as he's, as he's being thronged by the multitude, uh, uh, someone pushes his way through, I guess. Uh, his name was Jarius. He was an important man. So probably people are parting for him, saying, oh, hey, here's, he's the ruler of the synagogue. Let him through. And, and he's, he's desperate because his only daughter, 12 years old, is dying. And Jesus has been away for who knows how long and couldn't get hold of him. Uh, and, and, and now he's finally here 
And so he comes and he falls down at, before, at Jesus' feet and begs him, please, please come to my house and heal my daughter. And what's Jesus' response? Uh, he gets up and he goes. But as he goes, the multitudes are still thronging him. There's still a crowd around him. So it's slow going. And then as this is happening, we get our second interruption. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng you and press you, but you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. So, here Jesus is slowly, agonizingly slowly making his way towards Jairus' house. And from Jairus' perspective, the, the faster Jesus can get to his house, the better. But it's slow going, the multitudes are thronging him, and then, and then for no apparent reason, Jesus stops and starts interrogating the people around him about who touched him. And his disciples are like, um... There's a lot of people around you. There's a, kind of a lot of people pushing and shoving you. There's a Mediterranean crowd. They're probably not being polite Canadians. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, and you're asking who touched you? And he says, I know someone touched me, for I felt power go out from me. You've got to, from, from Jarius's perspective, this is a terrible interruption. His daughter is dying. And Jesus is just stopping and like trying to figure out who touched me. From the woman's perspective, she's desperate. She has spent 14 years with this flow of, I'm sorry, 12 years with this flow of blood, uh, which is, has made her unclean in, according to the Jewish law. She actually would, she probably had to push her way through the throng too, and she really shouldn't have. Because she was unclean, and by Jewish law and custom, uh, if you were unclean and you touched someone else, you made that person unclean. So she's just made a whole bunch of people unclean. She really doesn't want anybody to know that she's just pushed her way through, and or anybody to know her private medical condition. Um, but Jesus doesn't let this go. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Jesus, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus knew that stealing a blessing it's probably not the best way to get a blessing. Probably not the most spiritually healthy way to get a blessing. Uh, and so he gives her this opportunity to come forward. And she does. She comes. She tells everybody exactly the reason why she had touched Jesus. So she has to tell everybody her shameful secret. Uh, and, and she... Uh, and, and she... Uh, tells them all also how she was healed immediately. And so Jesus' response is essentially to confirm the blessing. 
Be of good cheer, he says. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And as he's saying these words, while he's still speaking, someone comes from the ruler of the synagogue's house and says to him, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. The very thing that Jarius was dreading. The very reason he was probably so incredibly frustrated with all these interruptions has come to pass. It's too late. If only Jesus hadn't gone to the country of the Gadarenes. If only he hadn't stopped for this woman with the flow of blood. If only, if only, but it's completely useless. She's dead. There's nothing more that can be done. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Don't be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned her. But he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing she was dead. So here we have yet another interruption. In this case, it's Jesus interrupting. They're all busy with their job. All the people, all the friends and relations who are gathered there together are weeping and mourning. This is what they have to do to unburden themselves, to, to, to show their, their love and their sympathy for the grieving parents. They're, they're weeping and they're mourning. And then Jesus comes in with Peter, James, and John, and, and the girl's father and mother, and, and, and says, don't weep. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. Like, oh, what, what are you talking about? We know dead when we see it. She's dead. They're ridiculing him and mocking him. They know she's dead. But he puts them all outside, takes the little girl by the hand, and he calls saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returns, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. In this final interruption, actually, ultimately in all three of these interruptions, we see the hand of God at work. We see that God, in his mercy, interrupts us. He goes, he takes us out of our our, our flow, our zone, our, our whatever it is, and puts into our path something that is an interaction with a fellow human being. Because really, that's what most interruptions are. Maybe not all of them, but, but most of them. It's another human being coming into our presence with a need 
this is in, in itself is a blessing for us or should be a blessing to us. Because the scripture says that God has prepared in advance good works for us to do. We don't want to miss out on doing the good works that God has prepared for us to do, do we? And what are those good works? Well, the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do are to show love to our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Well, the person in need who comes to us or who we run across, who is interrupting our journey, like the good Samaritan, the, 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 the guy, the good Samaritan helped and the priest and the Levite didn't on the side of the road. That's inconvenient. That's definitely an interruption. So Jairus coming to Jesus is an example of this. It's somebody who is in need. And Jesus doesn't question. He doesn't say, oh, well, I'm busy. He doesn't say, no, he just, he just gets up and goes. And then the woman in the, with a flow of blood is like that as well. She's in need. And he doesn't say, he doesn't just keep going. Well, I'm in a hurry. I can't, I don't have time for this. No, he stops and he turns around and he, uh, he gets her to, to unburden herself so that this blessing can be a true blessing to her. And then he himself, at the end, is the divine interruption. Because everybody's absolutely sure there's nothing more that can be done. And so our job is simply to mourn. And yet, that's not the case. Because our God is a God of interruption. He is not the Newtonian clockwork universe God, where he creates the world, winds it all up, and then lets it just run on its own. I've established the laws. I, uh, I, don't, I can be completely hands-off now and just watch and see how the stimulation runs. It's like, no. He's a God who's always coming down and saving his people when, when they need it and intervening in history and ultimately becoming one of us and involving himself in this complicated business of what it means to be human so that he can show us how to deal with interruptions, how we are to be like him, receiving all things, as coming from the hand of an all-knowing God who loves us and who is at work in all things for our salvation, including the interruption, so that we can respond as Jesus did, without question, of course, no problem. Let me help you. So that we too can be, through Christ, through his presence in us, the hand of God, ministering to a broken world which has given up and has no hope. We can interrupt that hopelessness and tell them Christ is risen. He is here. He loves you. Let him in to his glory. Glory to the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now and ever into ages and ages.